0: of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Drive. I'm Alison Barton-Simmons. Good morning.
1: <laughs> nanu, nanu, I'm <laughs> ex Oh,
0: good morning indeed. We are up to Series 2, Episode 1 of Faulty Towers.
1: We are, yeah, we're into Series 2. A bit of a, a, a leadership change in the directorial chair, isn't there, between... 1975's first series and 1979's second series.
0: It's a big chunk of time, that, isn't it, to, to be starting your second series?
1: It is. I mean, it, obviously they were going through a marital problems and break-up and then spending about six months writing every episode of something stupid. Yeah. In in that intervening period, John Howard Davis left the directorial chair and Bob Spears, Spears? something like that, He's mm-hmm. t- he's taken over the directorial duties for... The series two of Faulty Towers.
0: So this episode is called Communication Problems. Oh,
1: your favourite.
0: And it real oh, <sighs> it, and it really is pro- problematic. I didn't enjoy this episode at all.
1: I thought it was great.
0: It is great. No, as as, a, as an episode of Faulty Towers, it's fantastic. But speaking from a personal perspective, I found it really difficult to watch.
1: Just because you dislike Mrs Richards.
0: Yeah, with all the whats and whats and whats and whats. Yeah. Yeah. Found it quite just t- just manic.
1: Well, you're not on your own because I did run a poll to see who was Faulty's most troublesome, irritating, obnoxious guest. I put four options in. Yes. Mister Hutchison Crimmins. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Richards. Miss yeah. Alice. Mrs. Alice Richards. Yes. That's her name. Full name. Although I spelt it wrong on the poll and got pulled up on it because I was tired, I put Mrs Richardson like a bell end.
0: Well, that's good. I'm glad that someone pointed it out.
1: That's how they pointed it out. They just put bellend. Mrs Alice Richardson. <laughs> All right, no, not bell no. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been apt. Uh, and the other two options were the American whose name escapes me, the American okay. from Waldorf salad that we haven't covered yet. Yeah. And uh, who was the fourth option? Oh, fucking hell, it doesn't matter. Point is, anyway, Mrs. Richards won.
0: Yeah, she's very, very troublesome as a, as a guest at the hotel and as a, a character to watch on a TV show, I, I felt, personally.
1: And if you've not seen this episode in a while, of course, you can uh, watch it on BBC iPlayer, as it's on there at the moment. Daily Motion, either... In reverse or the normal way around. <laughs> <laughs> or you can, oh, there's all sorts of places you can get at it, isn't there? It's on Netflix, isn't it? Or Britbox.
0: It's on Britbox, iPlayer.
1: You can go to our episode page, our notes page for this episode, and we've embedded the daily motion video in there, so you can just watch it on our website, which is Club.
0: Is it back to front?
1: don't know. I've not done this one yet.
0: Oh, right, okay. So
1: would you like me to do it back to front now?
0: I think just as a novelty value, yeah. I think I'd like a back to front episode.
1: It's very discombobulating, everything being the wrong I way bet. around.
0: <laughs> oh no,
1: yeah. <laughs> now for those of you who are missing the good life and disappointed that um, we've moved on to Faulty Towers, or just disappointed that I seem to have curbed my swearing these days. I got a lot of grief in the early days, people were just calling me loutish, swearing too much. <gasps> okay. I say a lot of grief. Three three angry men. Three yeah. angry old men. Said it's not big and it's not clever.
0: Do something else then.
1: Yeah, oh, fuck him. That's the way I look at it.
0: <laughs> go and go and enjoy another podcast.
1: Yeah. Uh, however, having said that, here's a little uh, here's a little dose of um, some swearing. Good lifestyle for you. Oh sod off! Piss off! Bollocks! Fuck off! Oh shit! What a twat! Bastard! I don't want to learn fucking Italian. Wanker, bugger off, Arseholes. Fuck you! Fucking hell! Fuck you and your lawnmower! There we go. Oh, fuck. oh my
0: goodness! Put it on again. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's she's still going. She's a
1: foul mouthed <laughs> terrain, That woman. This is a dame. Wow. Penny, why you what are you playing at?
0: Gosh, that's that's that is some um, verbal diarrhoea. Yes, you.
1: thanks to Katie for sending us that. She was listening to her audio book which. Brilliant. Which uh, Penelope Keith was reading. Presumably she kept stubbing her toe while she was reading it.
0: <laughs> what was she doing? Yeah. Fuck you and your downstairs.
1: <laughs> so before we get stuck into this one this week, we've got I've got some anagrams for you, Al.
0: Oh cool. I love an anagram.
1: I did some last series with for for the good life actors, so I've got some for, for Faulty Towers. Okay. Basil Faulty. Yes. If you anagramise the letters in Basil Fawlty's name, you can have wallaby fits. Okay. Uh, Wayfit balls.
0: No. no. <laughs>
1: Floor at Sibyl. Really? Hmm. Laws fit ably. Right. And f- most appropriately, ball your fist.
0: They all seem suitable for the name Basil Fawlty. Do you give any indication as to what? It is that you... that you. No, I'm just... wanting anagrams I, I'm of. just
1: a very, very sad man, and I troll through pages and pages of
0: <laughs> So, is there, like, a, a massive big list? Is there a massive list of examples?
1: Yeah. So, there you go. there's Basil.
0: I, I like these. Go on. So, have you, have you done some for other characters?
1: Yes, I've got some for Sybil. Um, not as many, okay. but here we go. Right. It's Fly by Law. Okay. Wily by Flats. And Silly... By waft.
0: See, they aren't as appropriate, are they? No, they're not. Not appropriate. They're... they're not as they're not as relevant to as the Basil ones are. Let's move
1: on past them rather swiftly. They're not. They're not okay. great, but I've got some good ones for Polly Sherman. Okay. I've got uh, smaller phony. Okay. Lemon sharply. <laughs> spell harmony.
0: Ah, that's 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 appropriate.
1: Yeah, she does spell harmony when she sort of smooths things over. I've got...
0: She's very good at I've that. got
1: Harp Solemnly.
0: Mm-hmm, okay.
1: Smelly Orphan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't know much of a backstory, but perhaps.
1: Heal Mr. Pylons. Okay. Low, my shrapnel.
0: Yes, that's a good one. Yeah,
1: given he... Because
0: of basil in his leg.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um. Ah, Smelly Porn.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that's awful. <laughs>
1: Horny Marsbell, mm. Shy Palm Loner. So okay. perhaps she's into Onanism. Um, and finally, All Spermy Hun. Oh! Hey. Yeah, That's not nice, is it? Poor
0: Polly. Poor Polly.
1: I did some for the actors as well. Prunella Scales comes out okay. as Parallel Census. Okay. Or Cleanse Plurals. Resell Anal Cups.
0: Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Pull cleaner ass. And uh, my favourite in this category, anal purse cells.
0: Did you put anal in as a requested word that you wanted to be amongst? Yeah,
1: I always put anal in on my searches. (laughs)
0: You've
1: been looking at my history. First
0: job. First job.
1: Uh, Connie Booth. uh, Two inch bone. Hot bone icon. Very good, that one.
0: That's a good, appropriate, yeah.
1: Hot nonce bio.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> and um, Andrew Sack's sad arse wench. It's a bit harsh. It
0: says,
1: this it one would have been brilliant for Polly, but it's Andrew Sack's anagram. She warns okay. CAD.
0: Oh. Because Polly warned warned
1: Cleese of the CAD. Yes. We've got crashed swan. For Andrew Sachs, we've got <laughs> dawn Search, Dawn Cashews, Cash Wars End, which All right, okay, perhaps signifies when he got his payout from um, the BBC.
0: For being burned? Yeah. yeah.
1: And of course, at one to commemorate his passing, Arch Sad News.
0: That is appropriate.
1: And would you like to know, finally, what anagrams I had for John Cleese? Yes. None. None. He's got an un name. No
0: way. Yeah, he has. Is that right? You can't make
1: anything coherent out of John Cleese as an anagram by using all the letters. Isn't that weird?
0: That is weird.
1: See, you're trying now, aren't you? I can see you're multitasking. I'm thinking,
0: yeah. I've got cheese. um, Have you? But nothing that I can do do with the other letters.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there you go. That's not his uh, most prominent claim to fame, the acclaimed actor and writer and comedian. John, please. No,
0: it's not an anagrammable name. I don't think he's on his CV, but that's fascinating.
1: So, should we get stuck into this um, episode properly?
0: Let's do that. So, we've got Communication Problems, Series 2, Episode 1. In the reception, we're back at we're back at the usual starting point of Faulty Toes After last week, starting outside the the hospital, uh, we're back in the reception of the hotel, and it's very busy. There's all sorts of stuff going on. The phone's ringing. Polly's busy serving guests. It's quite busy, isn't it? There's quite a lot of people in the reception area, which is not usual in an opening scene of Faulty Towers. That's
1: true, and they all seem to be coping very well with this busy kind of hubbub of activity, which is unusual for Faulty <laughs> yeah. Towers.
0: It's quite smooth, isn't it? There's things going on and everyone's busy. Everyone's got a job. Apparently, Brenda can't start until Monday. So, Polly's going to have to clean the rooms until um, until Brenda... I'm guessing that Brenda must be the cleaner. This is this is Sybil that's on the phone to Brenda. Yeah. And she's relaying this message to Polly. But Polly agrees. She says, yeah, that's fine because she needs the money. Which is a sort of signifier quite early on in the episode, isn't it? That mm, Polly, needs, yeah. Polly needs the money. At this point... There's an interruption by a guest. Polly's interrupted by a guest, the infamous Mrs. Alice Richards, who is the star of this episode and the reason why I found this episode quite difficult to watch. Just as, as an aside, Mrs. Richards is hard of hearing, bulshy, loud.
1: Unreasonable.
0: Um, a bit of a nightmare guest. She's, um, she wants what she wants right now. Despite the fact that Polly is already dealing with another guest,
1: well, the first thing Um, out of her lips is "girl." Rude. Just absolutely obnoxious, isn't it?
0: She doesn't. She doesn't even wait for someone to to speak back to her. And she, it was the it was the shouting of "what" throughout this episode that I found really, really hard. What? Mm. What? And just assuming that everybody else is in the wrong when she's busy shouting "what" as well. So Polly, Polly deals with her quite well. Actually, she's very firm. And says, "I'm I'm still dealing with this with this guest. Can you just can you just wait a moment?" Very professional, um, isn't she? She is. She is. She does really well. Missus Richards has, has booked a room at the hotel, and she wants a sea view room with a bath for three nights, which is what she's booked, and that's exactly what she's expecting.
2: Mm.
0: Polly continues to to serve the first guest, and Missus Richards is insisting that she's not finished, even though so Polly's broken off from this this um this guest. In order to sort out money with Mrs. Richards and then gone back to the the guests that she was that she was serving, but that's not enough for Mrs. Richards. She's expecting everything to be dropped for, for her.
1: Yeah, Mrs. Richards is. is there nobody else here could help me? She said, "What a good idea!" And then she speaks in unnecessarily flowery language to Manuel to make sure he's confused.
0: Yes, indeed. There's a major misunderstanding straight away, because Manuel is saying "qué," as in "what" in Spanish. Mrs. Richards is shouting what back at him. So there's a yeah. whole sort of like back and forth for a while of K what? And then Mrs Richards assuming that there's a <laughs> there's someone that works at the hotel called K What Which that that did tickle me.
1: Oh I didn't pick up on that. CK What? Yeah. K? K What C, C yeah. K what?
0: Yeah. So she thought that there's a she thought that the manager was called K What? Yeah. Uh, and then she says she says to him, What are you talking about, you silly little man? <laughs>
1: She's just obnoxious. But then also, Manuel says, I'm I'm from Barcelona. And she says, the manager's from Barcelona. And Manuel says, no, he's from Swanage.
0: <laughs> Swanage. Bit of information
1: <laughs> that I don't think anyone needed. But thanks, Manuel.
0: Polly is busy getting Manuel to, to deal with uh, Mrs Richards. And there's another, the other um, guest that's at the reception is Mr. Firkins, who... When Faulty turns up, he says, um, are you a betting man, Mr. Faulty?" Now, this, this this made me laugh. Faulty's response to this made me laugh because he's busy looking around before he answers that question to make sure Sybil's not in earshot. Mm-hmm. Because Mr. Firkins has got a tip for him and it's Dragonfly at Exeter Races that day. And he's, he's sort of uh, telling him to put um, a bet on.
1: Would you take advice from this guy, though? I mean, he seems like an archetypal spiv, doesn't he?
0: I don't know. I find that if, if people if people are willing to tell you about a tip-off like that, yeah. they, they, I don't know. I assume that they, they must know.
1: I suppose so. I mean, Basil's clearly interested and Sybil sort of comes in at the end and and, and knows what's going on, knows that he's getting a tip and she sort of gives him a thousand-yard stare, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, so we're assuming that Faulty's had some difficulty with, with gambling in the past, perhaps.
1: I doubt it. I'm sure it's just, um, as he sa- himself says, it's just a- an avenue of, of pleasure that's been closed off to him now. <laughs> <laughs> just because she doesn't like it.
0: The Major wanders in at this stage.
1: He's spruced up, isn't he?
0: Yeah, the Major's sort of, you know, he's on it for St. George's Day, isn't he?
1: This, of course, leads Basil to liken Sybil to a fire-breathing old dragon.
0: Yeah, good, good old St. George. And he says, St. George killed a hideous fire-breathing dragon. And he's, yeah, he's comparing Sybil to that very thing.
1: Because Major says, um, why'd they kill it? And Basil says, well, it's better than marrying it. (laughs) And she's in the earshot, so he's getting brave, isn't
0: he? I bet at this stage, though, I bet the Major just didn't know what the hell was going on because he's he's probably just lost the gist of the the conversation at this stage. Mrs Richards comes downstairs. She doesn't like her room. Shocker. Mm. Uh, She wants to see the manager, She's not happy with the bath. It's not big enough to drown a mouse, apparently, which is disgraceful.
1: It is very narrow. I looked at it, thinking I wouldn't be able to yeah. heave my ample frame into that, or rather, I would, and then I'd be stuck, and then have yeah. to get Manuel to wedge me out later. <laughs> that would work well.
0: <laughs> a rub, rub butter on the sides and yeah. <laughs> slide you out. So, so yeah, Basil goes up and, and checks out the room with her. Um, she she what she wanted a room with a view and something more interesting than what she can see out of her window. To which he replies, well, can I suggest moving to a hotel that's nearer the sea? Or preferably in it? I asked for a room with a view.
2: Deaf, mad and blind. Uh, this <laughs> is the view as far as I can remember, madam. Yes, yes, this is it. When I
1: pay for a view, I expect something more interesting than that.
2: That is Torquay, madam.
1: Uh, it's not good enough.
2: Well, May I ask what you were expecting to see out of a talky hotel bedroom window? Sydney Opera House perhaps? The Hanging Gardens of Babylon? Herds of wildebeest sweeping majestically? I expect to be able to see the sea. You can see the sea. It's over there between the land and the sky. I need a telescope to see that. Well, May I suggest that you consider moving to a hotel closer to the sea? Or preferably in it.
1: He's clocked at this point that her her hearing's all shot to shit, so he's saying lots of things under his breath that he knows she can't hear.
0: She's not satisfied at all, but she's going to stay, but wants a reduction in price?
1: Yeah, she's just essentially bartering, isn't she, like a lot of people, I guess, used to. Just, you know, there's no fixed prices in in the minds of people like that. They just go and they haggle and they come to some sort of compromises, is the way they look at it, which is, to me, it just seems hard-faced, depending on where you are. Mm. I mean, if you're in the market, Absolutely. you're fair enough, but mm-hmm. not for a hotel room.
0: Hotel room's a hotel room, isn't it? Surely. Yeah. The, the radio doesn't work in the room, and Basil says it does, and then tries it, and then realises that it needs fiddling about with, and he says, I'll see if I can fix it, you scabby old bat. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he works out at this stage as well that she's got a hearing aid, but the battery's run down. She, she doesn't want to use it because she doesn't want to run the battery down.
1: Yes, that's right. Which is
0: that, that, So that's annoying, isn't it? As someone that's trying to speak to someone that's that's hard of hearing, if they're not using the hearing aids, it's quite frustrating, I suppose. Do
1: you know what he does here, though, which he should do more often? What's that? I mean, it wouldn't work for the comedy, as we always say. It's, you know, it's written for laughs. But practically and pragmatically, if Basil did what he did in this scene more often, his life would be so much simpler because she wants a discount and he just says... Uh, well, you'll have to speak to my wife.
0: If he just directed all those things to Sybil, yeah, problem, problem solved.
1: Yeah, if he did it more often, we wouldn't have a show. Admittedly, we have a sh- no, but no, it would. It... it would. He probably wouldn't have died younger of a heart attack, as is inevitably probably the case if Basil was a real character.
0: Yeah, or a burst ulcer. Also,
1: yeah. Take your pick. Yeah, stroke, whatever.
0: <laughs> Faultino sends Manuel off to go and put the bet on for him on Dragonfly. Which is racing at Exeter races, I think. So at the reception, Sybil's on the phone now with. There's a, a wig on a polystyrene head, randomly.
1: Yeah, I thought it, that might come up in Fashion Corner where he discussed her wigs.
0: It's um, is she is she brushing it? Is she be she sort of like quaff quaffing it? Not qu- not quaffing it, not drinking it, but.
1: I can't tell if the wig is there to. So that she can see what a particular hairstyle might look like on her own head okay. rather than use a fucking mirror. Or okay. or if it's actually a wig that she intends to wear on her head. Mm. On top of the beehive barnet. So I don't really know, but she's having a, a, a conflag with someone over the phone about what her do should be.
0: Yes. She asked Polly to keep an eye on reception and Manuel bursts into the office to fault it with the winnings. From the mm. from the horse race, so yeah, he's won um he's won a bit of a stack of cash from the tip off this morning.
1: It looked so much more than it actually was, though, because of the fact that pound notes used to be a thing.
0: Yeah, it was like a proper wodge, weren't it? Proper wodge yeah. of cash. Uh, Miss Gatsby and Miss Tibbs meet Missus Richards in reception, who who's after some toilet roll now. This also, yeah, the introduction of toilet roll with the the embarrassment factor of asking for toilet roll at a hotel reception did make me. It made me laugh. Um, they offer her some of theirs, and she igno- She just completely ignores them. Good, Good afternoon.
2: afternoon.
0: First they give me a room without a bath, then there's no laboratory paper. <laughs> <laughs> would you like some of ours? We need an extra supply. <laughs> yes. uh, would you like some of ours? Hello?
1: Yeah, there's no paper in my room. Why don't you check these things? That's what you're being paid for, isn't it? Well, we don't put it in the rooms. What? We'll keep it in the lounge. In the lounge? I'll get you some.
0: Do you want plain ones or ones with our address on it?
2: Dress on it?
0: How many sheets? (laughs) Well, how many are you going to use? Manager! Well, just enough for one? Tell me! Manager! Manager! There's no toilet roll in her room, and she scolds Polly in front of Miss Gatsby and Miss Tibbs, which is rather rude. And then there's a big confusion over what paper is needed. And I think Miss Richards, Mrs. Richards calls Polly insolent. But Polly's, Polly's assuming that she wants writing paper for a room.
1: Well, yeah, because she's asking her how many sheets, which is why.
0: I know, um, yeah. Why Mrs.
1: Richards is getting rather cross. Her face
0: it. just, just gets more and more irate.
1: It reminds me of when Sheryl Crow came out and said everyone should only be using either two or three pieces of toilet roll after a shit. What? Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, I know this seems like a rather strange press release for
0: Sheryl Crow to
1: have made, but <laughs> <laughs> she come out. I think she was trying to save the Earth or something. You know, and every little helps, I suppose, but I, it's like with your your own recycling at home, you always think, but the governments are the ones fucking it up. If what I'm doing is a drop in the ocean. Nobody yep. intended. But, yeah, she she wanted she wanted to stop people using excess toilet roll. She'd come out very sort of sanctimoniously telling everyone that she'd only used two or three pieces of bog roll.
0: That's all right if you're doing ghost poos, but what if you're not?
1: I know, good luck cleaning my arse with two sheets of fucking bug roll. Oh, God. Christ, one touch of sides. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, back to Mrs Richards and her need of toilet roll. She ends up in, in uh, backwards and forwards to, uh, with Faulty, where she ends up asking Faulty if he's deaf.
1: Yeah, and then she squares up to Polly practically. She oh. offers to fight her. She's a fucking lunatic, this woman.
0: She, she's lost her glasses as well. Um She ends up trying to find her glasses, and then they keep saying they keep saying they're on your head. Your glasses are on your head because she's got them perched on, on top of her head. She disappears off into the the dining room, then comes back saying they're on my head. <laughs> yeah, they were on my head. You know, are you, not, are didn't you blind? Tell me? Oh, jeez. So Manuel's then taking twenty two rolls of toilet roll upstairs to to room 22, because there's been a big confusion over the number 22. Yes. I know. (laughs) I know. Oh, I know. We now find Basil telling Terry the chef...
1: Hey, Terry the chef. uh,
0: ...about the horses (laughs) and about his win, Um, and he's singing away until Sybil walks in um, and tells him how happy he looks. Um, She's almost, like, accusing him, isn't she, of of being being happy?
1: But it's really clever the way he's singing... um a song about horse racing, and then when she comes in, he immediately sings into My Way by Sinatra.
0: Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> Very cleverly done. He actually says to Terry, he's had a bit of luck on the GGs, but not to tell the trouble and
0: strife. Yes. So, yeah.
1: Why he's telling anyone about it, given he wants to keep it quiet, is no. I have no idea,
0: really. He doesn't learn, does he? He doesn't no. learn.
1: Were you taken with Terry the chef? I know we don't see much of him in this episode, but...
0: Yeah, I recognize, I recognized Terry the chef.
1: He's like a sort of a sort of archetypal Jacko from Brushstrokes, looking.
0: That's. I think that's what it was. I think that's why he he seemed familiar.
1: He's dead now, though. Oh. He died quite young. He died fifty nine. All oh, right. Big C. Oh. Crocodile.
0: Well, oh, Terry the chef. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to any of uh, Terry the chef's family who might be listening. <laughs> um. Yes, but I quite like him, and he plays quite a big part in in future episodes. Terry the chef, I quite like yeah. him as a sort of um, occasional character, you know, yeah, to, to advance the plot along.
0: This one's just like an introduction to Terry the chef into after the um, after the to do with Kurt, the other chef, Kurt. Yeah, crazy Kurt. So he's he's insisting to Terry the chef to not say anything about the horse because obviously he doesn't want Sybil to find out.
1: After talking to Terry. Basil heads into the into the main dining room, doesn't he, to just warn Manuel not to mm. say anything about these winnings. And um Manuel's obviously confused because of his lack of, his not exemplary grasp of English. So he's mm. really, really confused. But Basil's trying to make it really simple by saying, you know nothing to it. You yeah. know nothing. Well, just as we think Manuel's grasped it, basil's walking away sort of furtively looking around to make sure Sybil's not there yeah Manuel says eventually <laughs> <laughs> he says what he says eventually I forget everything so he basically yeah. means that one day I will have dementia which isn't <laughs> isn't really a God. sitcom joke is it
0: no oh my goodness
1: but no he's saying he's saying forget about the horse oh what nitwit what is nitwit
0: oh th- yeah there's a big a big kerfuffle here between what nitwit is and what what's the, the horse is actually called
1: do you want me to mime it to you like like Polly did <laughs>
0: <laughs> dragonfly um, oh. yeah
1: and that, there's a really underrated underappreciated moment in this little scene between Basil and Manuel when Basil finally gets through to him and says look just don't mention about the horse mm. and he finally gets it he says I know that you told me this morning <laughs> I love the sass and the attitude that Manuel's giving back at this point.
0: I'm telling you, if the good lord is mentioned once more, I shall move you closer to him. Now, please! There's a big kerfuffle and Mrs Richards has had some money stolen. So you can imagine the pandemonium that is now taking place inside the hotel. Yes. She's had £85 stolen from a bag under a mattress? Who does that? Who's going into hotels and putting bags under mattresses? I don't know. I suppose it's a different time, isn't it? You didn't have a a safe in your in your hotel room, I'm guessing. Although there is one in reception. Well, there is in there. one in
1: reception, yeah. But who knows where the keys are, or whether it's full of bricks? So, <laughs> she probably did the right thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So she's she's telling Faulty that the the money's been stolen, and she's very cross about it. And then. He does this, this weird thing where he's, he's sort of faking a dead, a dead battery in her hearing aid by whispering to her. Yeah. And then he shouts at her and frightens her and she bangs her head on, (laughs) is it on the wall or the shelf? I'm
1: not sure, but it's a very mean
0: trick. To be honest, I can't
1: blame him. She's so horrible.
0: She's then, there's something that's fallen onto the floor and then Basil picks it up and says, is this part, is this a piece of your brain? Yeah. Her. He got a big laugh oh. that
1: apparently He um, did He wanted to cut I think it was an impromptu joke from John Cleese Oh
0: right And,
1: and Faulty Towers is very very scripted Okay So there's not usually You know it's very very tight isn't it Yeah And it was impromptu and he wanted to cut it But apparently Andrew Sachs convinced him to leave it in
0: Yeah
1: I think it was a good job
0: Yeah I I, I thought it was a good job I think, I think it was a good joke Yeah it's like a, a control it's, like, it's quite control freaky isn't it yeah. um not letting things just be produced organically it is very overseen from start to finish yeah
1: i think so even when he does his um dvd commentaries he's picking up on things that he wished he'd done differently you know he's very okay. very fastidious man i think
0: right okay but i think it was worth leaving in i think it was quite a funny line yeah uh, Sybil's more sympathetic, though, to Mrs. Richards. Sort of, She's got her arm round her and she's looking after her. But Mrs. Missus Richards is, is rude to her as well. She just can't help herself, can't she, this woman?
1: No, it makes me laugh when she leaves because Basil threatens to put a bat up a nightdress. Yeah! <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> That's a very visceral image, isn't it?
0: It is! It is! Sybil and Faulty have a bit of a moment. I like this. Um, I like this moment. Yeah, about talking about when they were first married, when they first got together. Manacled together, I think um, it's referred to as. And we used to laugh quite a lot. And Sybil says, yes, but not at the same time.
1: Very cutting, that. I thought he seemed to be mm. enjoying a little, trying to sort of reconnect with her and say, you know, these little moments of what life's all about. And, um, yeah. and then she sort of puts him down and he reverts to type straight away because when Sybil says, um, what are we going to do now? Basil says, well, give it another 15 years. <laughs>
0: I know, I know, God, yeah. (laughs) I find it, it's quite difficult to watch, isn't it? It's quite difficult to watch the chaos of their relationship. Um, Because it is, it's so clear that they're just abrasive, (laughs) just an abrasive couple, aren't they? Yeah. Manuel is sent off to go and look through Mrs. Richard's room to try and find the money. Polly is to go through the lounge and try and find the money. Sybil then sees Polly. With the horse-winning money that that Faulty's given to her, mm. to hide from from Sybil, so now Mrs. Richard's money is missing, and Polly's got a stash of cash in her hand. Yes, which is a recipe for disaster. Faulty's tried to warn Polly, and then Sybil asks her about the money that's in her hand. And Polly says that it's hers, which then leads us back to the Polly at the beginning saying that she needed more money and was willing to uh, clean the rooms on behalf of the cleaner that can't turn up yet. So Sybil thinks that Polly has perhaps stolen the money from Missus Richards at this stage.
1: Yeah, and and I think because Basil is able to give her a quick heads up. Yes, Polly thinks on her feet, and it's quite impressive, really.
0: There's a whole load of miming going on in the background because Sybil wants to know from Polly what so what was the name of the horse then that you that you won the money on? So Faulty's in the background doing all sorts of flapping about to try and give Polly the name of, of Dragonfly.
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant visual scene that, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. She's guessing bird brain, fish wife,
1: Flying Tart.
0: Flying Tart <laughs> which which really made me laugh.
1: But Sybil Sybil knows something's up and she actually threatens Basil. She says, "Yes, you know what I'll do if I find out that that's your money and you've been gambling?
0: Yeah, and he says, I'll have to sew them back on first. (laughs) 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 Oh, German, I'm sorry. I thought there was something wrong with you. We're then in the bar with the major. Who's going off to a memorial service? I think is this is this something to do with Saint George's Day, or is it a is it a friend that whose memorial service is going to? Who knows?
1: Who knows if there even was a memorial service because the guy's so far gone.
0: Well, there's a, he's got a, a, a bright tie on, and Faulty points out that he's got this bright tie on, and then the major says, "Oh, I didn't like him." So yeah, he must have been going to a friend's a friend's memorial. A friend? I don't know. A frenemy before
1: like it was him. a term.
0: A frenemy. Yeah. Yeah. Faulty, oh, I don't, why would you do this? Huh. Faulty gives the major, no, the money to keep hold. I of. know.
1: Why wouldn't he just give it to Polly or even Terry, who's clearly got more about him? You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And faulty now thinks that this is the solve, He thinks he solved his problem. He sorted it, and he gets himself a drink from the optics and and does that funny like he tosses like a piece of ice and then flicks it with his with his wrist into his drink. Yes. And he's all made up because he thinks right. Problem over. I've solved it. He's like
1: Millhouse at this point, isn't he? Everything's coming up faulty.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we're then in the reception and we've got Miss Gatsby and Miss Tibbs who bid Mr. Fawlty a good morning. Mrs. Richards is now in need of the police for this missing money. Yes. And she's busy, she's mithering, she's proper mithering now at this stage.
1: Well Basil just lies to her face, which isn't, Yeah. He's never going to go well. He says he's already called them when he hasn't.
0: The phone goes and it's for Mrs. Richards and it's her sister, and there's a there's a really sort of horrible phone call where she's she's what can't hear you who what what, which drove me mad. But there's her house in Brighton. She's had an offer for eighty seven thousand pounds, and she tells her sister not to accept any less than ninety two thousand seven hundred and fifty. Which is quite a lot of money back then. That must have been
1: Yeah.
0: A huge amount of money for a house.
1: Dead south, isn't
0: it? That's Yeah. <laughs> it's Brighton, so I'm yeah, I'm guessing that I can imagine like sort of big big houses on the on the seafront. Mm. Faultino approaches the Major to get his money back, um which the Major's been keeping for him since his win. And there's a, a massive confusion over uh, over this money. Fault the, the Major's got no idea what, what Faulty's talking about. Uh, Mrs. Richards has calls the police herself. She wants this money back that she's lost. So there's two, there's two lots of money missing now. At this point, yes, there's yeah, the winnings, that's true. and there's Mrs. Richards' money that she put under her mattress.
1: Very similar amounts as well, isn't it? Sorry,
0: they are. It's only a couple of quid in it. So yeah, to see it, you'd think it was the it was the same money. Uh, the major finds Faulty's money. Sybil has then sent Faulty up to check Mrs. Richards' room for for her missing money. Before he goes, the Major holds up Faulty's money and Sybil tells Mrs. Richards that they've found it. So now there's confusion over which pot of money is, is whose. And Faulty now just loses it because he knows, he knows how this is going to play out. Yeah, yeah. He knows that he's, he's going to lose his money. Mrs. Richards counts it and Faulty's like wibbling about all over the place and loses it and starts to empty out the charity box for the, for the, for the missing, I think it's like a missing tempe or something that, um, mrs richards can't find
1: well the basil's trying to explain to mrs richards that it's his money but a she's deaf and b the major's dotty. Yes. so when when basil's trying to enlist the major to back up his side of the story that's no use yes and then it seems like he's got a godsend because manuel stumbles into view
0: oh god yeah in fact tell her tell her to which manuel quite rightly says i know nothing you're whispering what are you saying he says he won it on a horse. Won
2: it on a horse? It doesn't matter. Do you remember me giving it to you? would oh, think. Please think. What was the question again? Oh, the money. <laughs> the, money. the money. The money. Do you? Manuel. 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 you remember? I had some money yesterday. The money I won on the horse. oh see. Yes. Tell Mrs. Richards. Tell her I had the money yesterday. Uh, um, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. No, 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 Nothing! No, no, forget that. No, I forget everything, I know nothing. No, no, you can tell her, you can I tell, tell her. I cannot. You just tell her, tell her, tell her, oh, tell her, please, 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 tell her, tell her, please, <laughs> tell, him. tell, him. tell him. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I know nothing. I am
1: from Barcelona. <laughs> I like the way he does a little he does a little cough to clear his throat to get it all well, right. right. He no, he's very well delivered. He's like, <clears throat> I know nothing. <laughs>
0: So it it yeah, there's there's ten pounds, not ten p. It was ten pounds that's missing. Um, Mrs. Richards goes into the lounge and Sybil tells Faulty just to give her give her a tenner from the till to make up the money that that she is missing. Mm. He then he smacks his head on the till and then does a really weird strip, like literally giving her the shirt off his back.
1: You yeah, he's uh, what you are in here is quite uncomfortable when you stop and think about it because yeah. it's a man in the middle of a complete meltdown, isn't it? When yeah, you stop and think he's about it, crying
0: hysterically. Yeah yeah.
1: He gets down to his string vest, which is presumably he bought from the same shop as Richard Briars in that last episode of The Good Life. <laughs>
0: yes, for the for freeze the, running race, yeah. yes. A delivery guy turns up with a vase, which Mrs Richards had, had bought the, the day before, and asked to be delivered to Faulty Towers. And when she'd bought it, she'd left behind in the shop the money that she cannot now find. She'd left it. It's her fault. Not
1: only is she forgetful. And she doesn't realise that that's where she left it. She's also miscounted it. It's actually 95 quid, yes. isn't it?
0: 95 pounds, yes. yeah. So
1: he's up for once. He's, he's celebrating by kissing the sky because now he's got 95 quid in his skyrocket.
0: He's so happy. He's so happy. He takes the money, it's been found, um, and, he, and he, he can give her the £10 that's missing, and he's still up. And he's still got yeah. his winnings. I'm <laughs> winning!
2: <laughs> oh Mrs Richards, how lovely to say. Your beautiful vase that you bought yesterday has just arrived. Now remind me, the money that you have there, is it yours or mine? I told you, it's mine. You're absolutely sure? Yes I am. Uh, but you're still ten pounds short? Yes. Uh, er, uh, give Mrs Richards this, would you?
0: What's that?
1: This is mine. <laughs> like Gollum in Lord of the Rings or something.
0: He's well made up. However, Sybil now comes into the reception and sees the money and faulty knows that he's been rumbled and starts making like a yelping noise.
1: But well, Polly tries to come to the rescue like she invariably does. She does. Why she does this, I've no yeah. idea. There's probably an, mm. a word that describes people who behave in this sort of way. But I don't know quite what it is, if anyone has any idea. Mm. It's almost, oh, it's, it feels like it's on the tip of my tongue. It must be some sort of, it's like a glutton for punishment thing, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and But it, it doesn't fly anyway, does it?
0: No, not at all. Not at all.
1: And the maid, the major walks through at this point from the uh, dining room, doesn't he? He says, I do remember faulty. I do remember that money. You won in on that horse and sort of announces oh, it to everyone. No. And, and, yeah. and Basil sort of yelps. Sybil immediately rips the money out of Basil's hand. And in his other hand, he's offering Mrs. Richards her vase and he drops it and it shatters on the floor. So yeah. everything comes to a head at this point, And Mrs. Richards says, that vase cost me £85. Oh. And uh, what does Sybil say? Oh, I am sorry. And just starts handing over all of Basil's Handing money. over,
0: <laughs> handing over the cash.
1: So she's coined it in really, hasn't she?
0: She has. She has. And, and faulty just might as well have not bothered at all. No.
1: And that's the end of the episode. I liked it, even if you didn't. I thought it was a great one.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think there was the the, the character of Mrs. Richards. Obviously, is so well written because if if you find if you find a, a character difficult to watch, it's obviously a well written character. And just with her her wats and and misunderstandings and. Inability to hear. Mm. Just, yeah, just irritating. I found, her, I found her really irritating. I found the whole episode irritating. Well,
1: you're not the only one because Joan Sanderson found the character uh, irritating when she read the script.
0: Is that right? She didn't want to
1: do it. Really? <laughs> yeah. She, she didn't want to play this obnoxious old bag. And, and Cleese had to sort of beg her because he really rated her as an actress.
0: Yeah. Um, I I like I like her. I like um, Joan Sanderson as an actor. I remember as a kid watching after there was after henry
1: which of course um Pranella scales was in as well
0: she was in as well Prunella scales was in it and it was it was like three generations of the same family all women living in the same house and only as an adult have i found that as a, as a radio show on the bbc in the uk has radio four extra which has a lot of like old comedy
1: yeah. radio
0: series and that started off life as a radio series
1: yeah, so many of them did, didn't they? Even yeah. like the modern ones, like because Sean Locks recently died, people mm-hmm. have been watching Fifteen Stories High. But that started Life as a Radio Show.
0: Did it really? Yeah, you
1: get it on podcasts if you search for it. I,
0: I quite, I quite like um, a, a radio comedy series. Um, I find them quite charming, and and uh, hearing John Sanderson's voice on the radio, I find very comforting, despite the fact that I don't like Mrs Richards.
1: Right. Her diction and enunci- enunciation is very. I suppose it's received really pronunciation, is it? Yes. And it's sort of. Maybe it's comforting in the same way that just the nostalgia of it, because it's not yeah. the way people talk anymore.
0: Yeah, I find that with with Radio Four Extra. There's lots of um, lots of old comedy series, like from the fifties and the sixties. Mm. And there is there is there is something comforting about about hearing voices just on the radio and it being quite passive. You just have to listen. You don't have to watch or do anything. You can just listen to to the comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, radio. Yeah, well, I nearly I nearly seeped into Radio Gaga then. (laughs) I was about to say, it's you know, it's at its time, but it could well come back. But that's just basically the concept of Radio Gaga by Queen, isn't it? (laughs) Um, No, I was going to say that I was watching something about depression the other day. Yeah. Because I'm a cheerful fucker. Um, I periodically suffer from depression, so many people do. And Mm. um, it was an interesting YouTube clip and it was saying... One of the most helpful things you can do when you're feeling lost and at sea is to actually just put on a really old TV show that you know really well yes because the predictability of everything just is a big lovely warm comfort blanket yes and, and, and that's exactly how we described the good life in our first series isn't it it's
0: it totally is
1: there's very little mild peril unless mm-hmm. you count the um
0: uh, that was me doing that was me doing a brass tong
1: that's it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's very little to to get you on the edge of your seat or worried and you know what's going to happen it's just lovely and comforting and i think the same can be said of a lot of these sort of radio 4 scripted comedies
0: i wholeheartedly agree with that because i do that i know that i do that if, especially in times of I don't know I suppose downward feelings yeah i will revisit the same tv show and i'll while i'm working and when i'm going to bed i will have it on in the background because i just find it comforting and that's all right. I quite, I quite. I know people like um, like going to bed and and don't have lights on and don't have sound and and I know I don't I I don't subscribe to that.
1: I've got a friend who says the best way to deal with uh, depression is a wank and a cookie.
0: Well, there's that. Hmm.
1: Whatever works for you is, is the way. Exactly. I look
0: at it. Just you know. Yep.
1: Don't wank on the cookie. Just two separate. <laughs>
0: <activities>. <laughs> that's a whole different game. Yeah, that's, that's very a different niche. Game. Altogether. It is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, after Henry, you described it as three generations of women in the same household made me realise that it, after Henry was just a, a female, only force. sources in a way, middle <laughs> class. Yes, it
0: was. It was. Yes.
1: And actually, yes. To the Man Are Born with Honour Blackman and whoever played her daughter, and was there another woman? That's another sort of three-generational...
0: That wasn't... To the Man of Born was thinking. Oh, sorry, not To the Man Are Born.
1: What do I mean? The one with um, Joe Mag- Paul McGann in.
0: Paul McGann. Um, The upper hand.
1: The upper hand. That's it. Yeah. That sounds it's... like that sounds like we didn't have a big break and the Google <laughs> it, didn't it?
0: And had to research. <laughs> yes, the upper hand. I do, I do. I do remember that.
1: Did you have any bric-a-brac in this in this episode, Al?
0: I did. I ha- I must have initially found a bric-a-brac while I was watching it, and then forgot. Okay. That I had that bric-a-brac because then I've I've hurriedly put together another bric-a-brac this morning. So I've got two. Do you want do you want both of
1: them? No, because I've only got one, okay. so I'll do mine first in case you nick it.
0: <laughs> go on then, go
1: on. <laughs> I've got Mrs. Richard's hearing aid.
0: Oh, bloody hell! I've researched uh, all about, uh, about transistor hearing aids. Oh, it's all
1: right, you can still talk about it. <laughs> I've got nothing really to add to it, other than the fact that there was a little box on the front of her waist and it was very sort of un- unseemly and awkward. I mean, yes. the only thing worse I can think of is Edith's mother in a lower low with a trumpet.
0: Yes, well, that was... The, the trumpet was like a... That was the, the first the first hearing aid. Early hearing aids were trumpets. Right. And then these transistor hearing aids had like... They amplified the sound with the little box and you could turn the volume up and down. Yeah. And they were sort of developed in the 50s, but obviously still hung around into the 60s and 70s. And yeah, they were quite unsightly because you had to pin one bit of it onto you or wear it over your shoulder uh, and then had... A wire that went up to your ear,
2: hmm.
0: but the, the 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 sort of carrier thing was like a battery pack as well. So you could you could turn it up and down, and and it, that that's what made it work, I suppose.
1: I know that they were probably superseded in turn by those really ugly kind of waxy browny ones that go behind your ear. Because that that probably your grandparents as well, maybe or certainly yeah. great aunts or something like that would have had something yeah. like that. Sort of in my...
0: the 80s with the bit that fitted behind your ear. That, I think, did, did Morrissey not wear one of them on like top of the pops for no reason whatsoever?
1: Did he? What, what a, I mean, it's, I know it's not news to anyone, but what a cold sore. Mm. He's such a knobhead, that fellow. An eh? odd
0: thing an odd thing to sort of um, appropriate. Yeah, just feels It would have been weird. funny if
1: Bruno Brooks had just run up behind him and shouted in it like Basil did <laughs> to Mrs Richards.
0: <laughs> Maybe bang his head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> No, um, oh. my nan's one used to whistle all the time. She'd always be whistling in her ear. And yes. as a kid, I'd be going up to her, just hovering my hand by her ear <laughs> to make oh. it whistle.
0: Was are standing behind her going?
1: And she, yeah, she wouldn't know I was behind her. And then she'd be going, oh, bloody thing!"
0: <laughs> they were like notorious, weren't they, for the feedback, the whistling feedback.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that today's hearing aids are much more practical and stylish and
0: mm. all
1: the rest. My dad's got one recently. I've not seen it.
0: They're like in ear. You can you, you put them like right in your ear you now. So you, most of the time you wouldn't even know that somebody had had was hard of hearing because they've got they wear them inside their ears.
1: So they just look like spies. who have got like yeah yeah. MI5. They do look like
0: they, they, they work for MI five. Yeah, oh, very yeah.
1: clever. Very good.
0: So yeah, I, I also chose I also chose that, and I also picked the um, polystyrene wig head. Oh they yes, they sort of remind me of a time yeah well you, there was it used to be a in, in Bolton there was um near the cinema there was a, a, a wig shop next door that had all these wigs in the window with polystyrene mm. heads and and I've got a bit of a a thing with like mannequins and um like dolls and and those the heads used to creep me out did they because they had no eyes and no features they were just like polystyrene creepy heads
1: so that like because of the Kim Cattrall film you kept thinking they were going to come to that life. That
0: didn't bother me. That, Yeah, that no. Do you know what? The idea of them coming alive didn't bother me. It was just the look of them. They just spooked me.
1: Hmm. Ali's got one in her room. What? But it's just a torso. It's just one of those what? torso <laughs> Oh, rooms.
0: God, that's even worse. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She, she not... chopped the rest of it up and buried it in the woods.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what's that for? Is that for clothes making?
1: I don't know, I, she was very vague when I asked her, so maybe she is a <laughs> closet studio killer. I mean, I don't know really know. I said, Do you use that to stretch out your clothes? No, never you mine what I use that I thought, What Oh
0: uh, And it's yeah. headless. The headless Headless, yeah,
1: headless armless, also. headless. It's just a nugget.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Anyway, let's not incriminate my wife further.
0: No, I don't think that. I could I don't think I could sleep with that in my room. Faceless things just do I find a bit creepy.
1: That reminds me of when we were playing um like one of uh, like a parlor type game with the kids yeah. when they were younger, and one of the one of the categories on the cards was things you wouldn't want to find in your bed. Okay. And Jack, it was only about twelve at that point when Michael Lavelle, because <laughs> 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 he was uh, he was up in court at the time, I think.
0: <laughs> yes, and I if, love your kids. That's hast- very hastily
1: huge. add that he was found innocent.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Of all charges. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we do some fashion?
0: Let's do some fashion. There was lots on display. Well, well it's time, time to take a little trip, trip to the place that long ago was hip. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner it's Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner. Early on in the episode, we see Sybil in a powder pink work suit. We've said in the past about Sybil's ability to rock work clothes while looking very, very stylish. No matter how much this woman annoys me, um, she's always looking very, very stylish. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Powder pink suit, reminiscent of the audience at the end of The Good Life. I know I keep harking back to that, but it, it's obviously other time. Like a solid block colour of powder pink. Pockets in the jacket, which I liked. Um, a big bow collar on the blouse that she was that she was wearing with the huge earrings. I'm interested to see this. One thing I'm just as, as a bit of an aside. I'm interested now in the end. This, we're at the end of the 70s now with this series, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how different fashion corner um, examples will be as. Compared to the first series, which was 1975, 76, is it 75 or 76? 75. Um, and the Good Life as well. I know that's our previous series, but just seeing how how fashion and style has moved on as we move
1: sort of into the 80s. Well, to interject there briefly, this this leads mm. us on to the fact that now we've only got five episodes to go. We need we need suggestions for series three. So, yes, get on email, get on our Facebook group where we're taking suggestions. We'll put it to the poll. Eventually,
0: mm. so
1: yeah, we want to hear your suggestions. Probably seventies and eighties. We'll probably stick to those decades. Eh.
0: Yes. Fashion corner is going to be hard if we pick porridge. i trying to just want to put that
1: out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we might need to. Uh... Oh,
0: another jump. Oh, an- another jumpsuit. Oh.
1: Yeah, Mr. McKay A- was looking smart this week. Um, with
0: another set of overalls.
1: Yeah, we might just have to discuss David Jason's old man makeup instead.
0: Yes. Yeah. Back to Forte Towers, though. Polly. She's in a very stylish knitted waistcoat um, in one of the scenes. It's like an Air Force blue with red and green patterns on it. She's got a very similar kind of blows to what Sybil's wearing, which is like, um, a, like a blue blouse with a, with a ribbon necktie. So that must have been of the, of the time in, in 1979. It's like a tie, like a very thin ribbon tie around the neck. This episode, we see Manuel not in his usual white jacket as, as the waiter, um, he's got like a maroon jacket on at one point in this episode, which I, th- I thought was quite different to what he normally has on.
1: Hmm. Really? You'd You'd be surprised he didn't wear that on Gourmet Night?
0: Yes. Something it seemed to, to be like be a step up. A almost, yeah. yeah, almost like a, a more dressed up version of, of Manuel in, in, his, in his role. Later in this episode, we see Sybil in like a, a gold frilly knitted top with a frilly collar and cuffs. And what I suspect is a pleather skirt. It's quite a short mini skirt, so we are moving sort of beyond the look of the 70s at this stage, I think, with, with Sybil's um, appearance. And it's like a, a, a... I think she's sat up on something, so the, the skirt's like ridden up, but it looks like what could be leather, pleather, vinyl, I don't know. It's
1: all sounding a bit bondage, really, isn't it? Well... Leather skirt riding up.
0: What goes on behind the closed doors of about to tell us.
1: Yeah, we've seen the Pampers grass, haven't we?
0: We have. It's all indication, That's all indication. Towards the end of the episode, again, Sybil, another another change in, in her outfit. Uh, she's got like a blue-purple skirt suit with a cream-ruffled collar. So the, the ruffles are all still there from the 70s, and, the, and the, the sort of suit that she had on had like a white and grey trimming around it. She looked very smart anyway. And I think that's everything I've got for this week for Fashion Corner. You
1: bastard! (laughs) Um, So next week's episode is uh, the second one of series two, and it's The Psychiatrist. And my recollections of that one are just about Basil's paranoia, neuroses being ramped up to the max because he's constantly worried that they're evaluating his behaviour.
0: And they probably should.
1: Well, they probably do, just because of the way he overreacts to their presence. Yeah. And he constantly thinks it's about sex.
0: Of course he does. Oh, see, this is this this is t- quite telling, isn't it? Really about Basil. Yes, yeah,
1: it's definitely um makes it's the thing that most in his life that makes him uncomfortable.
0: It does. It does. Oh, I'm looking forward to that then.
1: So you can follow us at Sado Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. If you like, we post lots of random and interesting well, we think they're interesting videos and photos from Faulty Towers The Good Life and all sorts of other stuff. Les Dawson made an appearance this week. Yay. We've got a Facebook page you can find by searching Sado Podcast. And there's also, as we've mentioned numerous times, there's a Facebook group you can join. And it's growing and lots of discussions go on on there. And as as we said earlier, you can vote for what we're going to cover in Series 3. Subscribe to our newsletter, which we've never sent out, but we will do one of these days.
0: (laughs) This time, we will do, yeah. I'll pull
1: my finger out and do it. I might even do it this week, actually. (laughs) So you can subscribe to the newsletter on our website, sado.club. And on our website you can also share us a coffee or read our many blog posts mostly about the good life and you can actually listen to the episodes and watch the original episodes of faulty towers if you don't do podcast apps there's also a really good interactive quiz on there all about the good life so let's know how you do and you can also email us with um, suggestions or things we've missed or abuse as as we get every now and again just give up <laughs> just give up. <laughs> And subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, please.
0: Yeah, we'd love to hear from you, whatever thoughts you've got. So we'll see you next
1: week for episode two of series two. Be seeing you.
0: Goodbye.
2: lawnmower